Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Hey guys, this is Greg with the Grindline Podcast, and I'm here to talk to you about DraftKings. With mobile betting now live in Michigan, it has never been easier to get in on the action and make those games mean just a little bit more. All you have to do is set your lineup, sit back, and watch your games. It's that simple. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, that's billion with a B, to users across all sports. So work on filling that wallet today with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hey Ryan. Greg. Tyler's back. <laughs> <laughs> After what what's it been, Tyler? Two weeks? Yeah, it's been like two weeks, I think. I you know, I hate yeah. missing episodes, but sometimes I mean, it just doesn't. Oh, that's work cool. Out, Your friends, you know, you like to go to Boston Bruins games and, and watch them lose. Wins. It's no big deal. Oh no, it was a good oh, thing no, to watch them lose. I, I brought sure. home that, a that, loss. You guys should be were, happy. Were you wearing a I'm Bruins not, jersey? No, he wore his eyes. I told jersey. you, he did tell I wore my Eisenman jersey. People love it. Uh, it's, I'm sure they do. I see. I'm, I'm the like one loser fool. wearing a Red Wings jersey. Okay. I feel like in Boston <laughs> you can get away with that better than say like Chicago. Yeah, Chicago they'd never let you get away with it. Or apparently, or St. Louis, or apparently Vegas. Although, how about the St. Louis guy? That I don't know if you guys remember, like the 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 St. Louis run that they had to beat the Bruins in the finals. There, that entire playoffs, every single game in St. Louis, on the right side of the bench, the Blues bench, I think it is, the on the right side, was a Red Wings jersey. A guy with a red Red Wings jersey. I remember that. Yes. I was yep. like, where are you going with this story? But yes, no, I do remember that. <laughs> no, yep, how about? How about in Vegas, uh, where they fought that guy wearing the Avalanche jersey? They like okay, stole his see, flag. See, they stole. See, here right, is there more to it before the flag stealing? I don't. The people keep trying to say, well, maybe he was waving his flag in their face and they couldn't no, see. I, but I get no, that part. But was he talking shit and getting in people's faces? It, even if you are talking shit, I mean, don't steal one, steal a dude's flag and be a giant dick, or two, as he's going to get his flag back, push him over. Like, he was going up the steps, and a guy just pushes him over and starts, True. like, fighting him. So, like, when, I think when you, you have to act a certain way when you go to an opposing team's arena. Um, not saying you should you should fear for your life or fear for getting beat your, the crap beat out of you, but, I mean, when you're going into an opposing arena, like, I wouldn't go to Yankee Stadium wearing a Red Sox jersey, and even if I did wear the jersey, I wouldn't be, like, up in people's faces or having a Red Sox flag draped around me. Like, that's not the thing I would be doing um, in Yankee Stadium or even in Chicago wearing a Red Wings jersey or, or a Red Wings like flag around me with the jersey on top of it. I don't know. That's just asking for it, in my opinion. Mm. Nah, I mean, from where I saw where the video picked up, they weren't doing anything sitting there. They Somebody came up, snatched the flag off, 
and then, then Vegas, they're fans, yeah. Vegas fans jumped on this guy, and then his buddy tried to break it up. They jumped on him too. I I couldn't see. I mean, from where the video was, I don't know what actually happened, other than the fact that there was pushing going on. I don't know if punches were thrown. Anyways, don't be like that. That's all yeah. I have to say about don't it. Don't be that guy. If he was being a dick beforehand, who knows? I mean, we're not going to know any parts of the story other than what we just saw. But, yeah, that was a pretty fucked up situation. Tyler, I think really quick before we get into tonight's episode, as everyone knows, we, me and Ryan said last week, we are kicking off our season of draft profiles yeah, with who we think. questions about draft picks. Yeah, which we these are basically guys we think are going to be there at six. And then one we think is going to be probably uh, our odds on favorite for pick 22, depending on how the beginning of the the yeah. first round pans out but kind of since, a shit show. since tyler decides when and he wants to join us he has thoughts on the draft lottery and how he thinks it's terrible even though the pick we got was the one we were supposed to but go on tyler well i just think that after a while you just get like you know you, as a fan you're supposed to be excited for the draft lottery it's supposed to be an opportunity for you to jump up and like when you've had what three or four times now where you've either gone backwards or you've stayed the same. It's just like, why even watch? I didn't even watch this time. Like so you're saying you, you have lottery fatigue. Me, you guys wanted me to come on the live stream. I'm just like, you know what? Why? We're, we're going to stay the same or it's going to, we're going to fall back. Because it was fun, Tyler. What <laughs> pisses me the fuck off. I'm sorry. What pisses me the fuck off. And, and I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, Seattle paid $750 million or whatever the hell it was. Or how much was it? I don't know. A lot of whatever the entry, more money than I'll ever see in my life. Right. Whatever the entry fee was in the National Hockey League, the expansion fee or whatever. $650 million. I just wanted to get that out there. $650 million. Okay, so that's a yeah. chunk of change to the NHL. I understand that. But bit. to give them the second overall pick is just, th- that's a slap in the face to these franchises like Buffalo. And I know Buffalo got the first overall Buffalo pick. Buffalo is like, a slap in the face to the NHL. But, <laughs> but I'm talking about these... These fan bases that have struggled for 10 years, New Jersey's been, it's been close to 10 years that they've been in the playoffs. Um, No, no, they they did have that run with Taylor Hall. But before that, they hadn't done much in the playoffs. Buffalo, of course, hasn't made the playoffs since, what, 2010, I think it was, was the last time they were in the playoffs. So, I mean, there's other organizations down there as well. I mean, look at the Coyotes. They're another dumpster fire of an organization. But is so, that the uh, NHL's fault? No, that's their management's no. fault. That's their coaching staff's fault. That's their oh, inability. That's uh, I understand Arizona. That, they cheat, so they get they don't even get a draft pick this year. I understand that, but to take a, you know a draft pick away from a team that deserves it, to give it to a team that's never played a damn game in the whole league, it's just but that's that's, that's mind numbing. That's to me. exactly that's exactly the point, though. They don't have a team, and you can't start them off with a pile of garbage and expect to start them, to them get off with good. the tenth overall pick or the Why? eighth overall pick. One. Why give them? I'd honestly give them Anaheim. the first overall pick. I think they should have number one. They should if have you're number an expansion one team coming in. Just give them the yep. top pick. Let the rest of it, everybody else go at it. See, see, and this is why I hate Vegas. This is exactly why I hate Vegas. Because they're good. Because they haven't earned it. Sure they haven't they earned have. any of them. How? How they not How earned, they earned it? it? They haven't gone through any struggles. I mean, oh yeah, the God. San okay, Jose so it's thing. This. 
So Tyler, Tyler is thing. using Tyler no. is using the sixty-year-old angry white guy argument. Let me finish. No, he's using the Columbus Blue Jackets argument. Uh, no, it drives they me haven't nuts had the pain that a team like had. it drives me nuts that a fan base like okay, I understand they've built it and and all that stuff. They've done a good job drafting and stuff, but for the most part, no, this whole thing was handed to them on a it silver platter. Nowhere Look, close. They, all right, when they came out of that expansion draft. Can you tell me one analyst or person that covers hockey had them picking better than third in their own division? None. No I'm just telling one. you right now, this whole fan base thing that they have is a, it's a sham. But just wait until that team's not good. Just wait. Just wait. Ten years from now, eight years from now, they'll probably be good for eight or ten more years or whatever the hell it is. And then when they go into a rebuild, it's going to be like Columbus. It's going to be like Arizona, where no one gives a fuck about that team. And when Detroit or Toronto or Chicago come in into town, it's all those fans. I'm telling you right now, I called this at the beginning of hey, it. I said what? that they'd be good at the beginning, and How? I didn't think they'd get to the finals, Are but... They- Go ahead. Is there is their management and ownership team going to be pissed off that they're going to have butts and seats? Nope. No, but they I'm just, they're I'm in just Vegas. Saying. They'll consistently bring in money. But mm-hmm. uh, but anyways, okay. Back to the to the draft. <laughs> You've lottery. got five minutes. I've got three minutes because I'm not I'm not I'm not going to last longer than that with this. Gonna have a, what she See, the thing that pisses me off about this is like Detroit has had opportunities to move up and they haven't moved up. They've had, uh, they've either stayed the same or moved back. Then you have a couple years ago where Philadelphia went from I think eight to one, and they had the first overall pick. You got Nolan Patrick. Now I know Nolan Patrick has not turned out to the player that a lot of people thought. He you was mean going future to be. Detroit Red Wing Nolan Patrick? Bingo. Yeah, <laughs> potentially, potentially. But but the thing is, it's like it, it's kind of it gets frustrating, and that's that's another reason why I just I didn't watch it, and and when it happened, I'm like, you know what, I'm not surprised but I'm still pissed and that's kind of where I'm at with it it's like yeah you can get a good player at six overall but if you're gonna build a franchise and you're gonna win Stanley Cups you have to have a number one overall pick or at least a lottery pick the last I think eight teams it might even be more than that I remember seeing a stat I think it was last year um when when Tampa won the Stanley Cup the I think it's the last eight or ten teams that have won the Stanley Cup have all had at least one lottery pick on their team. Detroit does not have one. So no. I mean, you, you have to you ha- that that's the if you're gonna not gonna build this through free agency, which they're not going to do, which I don't expect them to do or want them to do, then you have to get lucky in this so-called stupid draft lottery. Just lose every game at this point. I mean, I hate tanking, but if this is what it's going to take. Then lose every game. I, I, I make it as big of a shit show as possible. I, like I don't know what to do anymore. I it, will it say it gets frustrating. I believe in Steve Eiserman that we do not need a lottery pick. And me and Ryan, again, Tyler, if you just listen to episodes, me and Ryan talked a whole segment about how we don't need a lottery <laughs> pick to win. I um, do think you need a lottery pick. You I, know why? I mean, because. Unless you get extremely lucky and get like a Jonathan Taves at a six or a Patrick Kane, you know, further back. Or or if you look at, you know, I know those weren't their draft picks, but like Matt Barzell, I think, was a 15th or 16th overall. What about Pasternak? 
Yeah, Pasternak. I mean, there's fair points there, but I'm just saying, if you look at that team, they still have lottery picks on that team. Sure. So, I mean... I mean you go you, back to 06, 07, looking at the top three lottery teams of each of those years, at least one of them, based off the lottery pick, have won at least a, a one cup, if not more. Yeah. I think I Detroit was the last team that didn't have a lottery pick that won the Stanley Cup, right? I mean, Detroit Shit, had... Go back a long way. If you look at that 2008 Detroit Red Wings team, is there a first yeah. top six pick on that team? I don't think so. The 2000 not roster? not from not, yeah not from the current roster that that the Red Wings drafted and developed. No, I don't think the 2008 team had a top pick. No, um, no, they had a first round pick. It was Nicholas Cronwall, and I'm sure there was others, but. Um, Besides that, I mean, they didn't have a drafted, developed lottery pick, and that's my point. You know, you look at – I'm not going to go through the whole thing. You you can look at it, you listening to it or whatever. But there, there's umpteen examples of this, and this is, this is what frustrates me. The league wants teams to be successful, and – No, for the league wants we- parity. They want parity in the league, everyone to be equal. Yeah, that joke of a comment. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's. I guess you could say. That, yeah, but then you have Tampa Bay do, circumventing the cap, which I, I think is is right. By the way, I know a lot of people get pissed not. off at this. But Why the yes. players don't get paid during the playoffs? They're following the rule. They follow the rules though all they, season. By the rules, it's right. Do we have to like it? Absolutely no. not. No, we don't have to like it. But I mean, they're probably going to win the Stanley Cup again. So I mean, Nah, Vegas. Was Cronwall, the highest drafted Red Wing on that team. I think he was. He was number twenty nine because Chelios was number forty. I'm I'm sniping some players right now, but <laughs> well, where was he drafted at? But but the thing that, that's uh, the thing uh, that frustrates Denny's me. down uh, the street. <laughs> do, do, no, I know you I guys. Uh, he wasn't drafted by Detroit though. He was dra- He was number thirteen overall from Chicago. Dan Cleary. What about? Yeah. Oh Holy no, Hosa was on the 09 team. Yeah, well, ta- we don't talk about him. Thank you. We're, we're, he doesn't exist anymore. We're yeah, actually, he had a great year that year, okay? He had a great year. Well, we're actually going to talk about podcast stuff tonight. Um, back on track, guys. We are going to talk about prospects, and we are going to talk about the draft. But first, we have a few housekeeping notes. Uh, the first one was that Albert Johansson was loaned to Farstead of the Swedish Hockey League. So uh, Albert Johansson will not be playing in Grand Rapids next season unless he gets called back at some time but i think that he's gonna probably have to stay there which is good i mean that's fine it's a men's league and it's the, probably the third best league on earth so mm-hmm. but yeah i think it's good that'll be good for his development i i need him to not necessarily own the league but he was really good last season to where he made the national team not that he played much but he made the national team and wasn't he kind of sheltered when he first got brought up and then he's like made it in with injury and then started actually playing well and they're like hey you're actually kind of good yeah and he is actually kind of <laughs> good so uh he'll get i think he'll get significant time in the shl and and it's good for him because if the ahl though i think it would have helped him get used to a north american style game and smaller right. ice and kind of move up to play against uh, would be or former nhl players and, and stuff like that i don't know i don't know how much more he would gain here as a defenseman than he would with just probably a lot more playing time over in Sweden. I'm not mad by the move. Right. I mean, he's, he's still 20, obviously, but he'll be 21 in January. So I, I think, I don't know, maybe 
because they can't. That's when, when will the SHL start? Have they actually announced September? I think is that is that the official start time right now? Uh, September. I'm pretty sure that's when they usually start. Yeah. Yep. Is it okay? So, yeah. I mean, he had 19 points in 44 games over there this past season. So, uh, you gotta hope that that's the choice they make. I mean, they did get him to his ELC, so it doesn't burn a year, which is a positive. Maybe that's why they did it, and the plan will be come SHL season's end, depending on how things are going, they try to bring him over to Grand Rapids, or can they do the contracts? Is, is it he's old enough, and has since he's played a year, he's not restricted from leaving the team or being called over to North America, correct? I don't. I'm not sure how the contracts We've, are we now. Well, he's on, so he's on loan, and I know during last season when you were loaned to the SHL, you had to be there until the team's season ended. But I thought there I was think a that might have been there. because of COVID, because okay. we weren't playing and they didn't know how the season was going to go or anything, and they didn't just want to fill their teams with NHL players to have them just randomly called back home to empty out teams. So You'd I'm not sure if that Swedish contacts over there. Yeah, I'm not sure. We'll have to ask uh, Martin or Lars or whenever yeah. they have an update. I haven't seen anything change. So my assumption would be that that will carry forward. But we don't I don't know as of right now if that's that's what will happen. And it's a we got a while before the SHL season starts. True. So well, when when Martin listens and he can chime in and yeah. let us know the, the rules we'll see. over there. Um, the other piece of news that came out is that the New York Rangers have hired Gerard Gallant to be their next head coach. Again, well, something I'm not mad about. End that talk. Yep, done. Bye. Gallant is not coming here. If if Iserman would have wanted him, he would be here. True. I think that Iserman has his own plan. I think he has people in mind. I think he likes going outside the box or at least outside the league. Or no, outside the coaching, say. or outside the coaching <laughs> carousel to get a coach, and I think Gallant would have just been again recycling coaches that you've already used. So, just, say speaking on that like exact point. So our little hockey pod group chat. Did you see the the comment that was made inside there? I did not. Our, Shane over with the Senators. He's like he'll be fired in two and a half years. A lot of success in year one struggle in year two but still make the playoffs and be a bubble t- 500 bubble team or and then be a 500 bubble team halfway through year three so they'll look at bringing someone new in <laughs> yeah i just don't when i look at gallant and i see you were fired from vegas who's a, a good team and they weren't yeah. completely yeah. failing and again in the conference finals and you still got fired and i that when i look at something like that i go okay there has to be something wrong the Florida Panthers, though not a great team, left you on a curb and made you get a taxi. Yeah, that was so fucked so up. So I'm just I'm just looking at it and saying what what went wrong? And again, he had a while before he didn't have a job, and then mm-hmm. he just did great with Team Canada, yes, and they, they won. Showing in the world, yeah. And and now he's going to be the next coach of the New York Rangers, and I'd rather have Iserman give Blashill a year to see what he can do with a good team. And then if he falls on his face, bring in someone like Ricard Gromborg, whose contract will be up at the end of next season, or Lane Lambert. And I just, I just don't think we need to get a coach that ha- has been cycled through the league already. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what you look at at Tampa. Sure, What they Cooper. did there with Cooper. Because, I mean, granted, he's following the Blaschel path, but in regards to AHL to NHL, 
but at the same time, it's like like, like you said, not that recycle moment. So I I, I think you're onto something. In that Let me ask you something about John Cooper like though. What? How much of that is his team is is really 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 good? Both. Well, I mean, they haven't faulted. Yeah, what he's doing. It's I his team is really good, faulted. but he's also they got a good coach. Swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Okay. Were they missing Stamkos that whole time? And wasn't Hedman injured? Was he? I mean, they were banged up. The, the Blue Jackets did bang them up pretty good. I'm just, I'm just, you know, trying to play devil's advocate. I think he's a good coach. I'm just saying I think that's a really, really, really all-time good team. Okay, Tyler, how bad are the Red Wings? How much of it is Jeff Blaschel's fault? Are you asking me that? Yeah, because you're trying to use the same <laughs> argument for Cooper, saying, well, the team's just really good. It's not much of the coach. Well, I think coaching is important, but I think it's only important to, like, a certain extent. Like, I mean, yeah, the Red Wings aren't good. I mean, so you could put Scotty Bowman there, and they probably exactly. still wouldn't be good. So I think that, and, and a lot of the conspiracy theorists are saying now that, oh, Iserman just want, is waiting for Cooper's contract to be up, and then he's going to bring Cooper to Detroit. I'm like, we're not trying to be a clone. Like, that's not what we're trying to do. But I think that Iserman is going to go outside the box for someone like a... Someone like a Gromborg out of the Swiss League, who I think he's coaching the Zurich Lions right now, or someone like Lane Lambert, who is, what, an assistant with the Islanders? You mean the Stanley Cup champion Islanders? Shut up. (laughs) He signed with them after uh, Barry Trotz in 2018. So I I think that's probably going to be the play there. I I don't see anything... People that think he he wants Hooper, I don't think are right, and and that he's just going to go ahead and recycle a coach. I don't think that's right either. I think he's got his own plan. He knows what works. He knows what ideas work and fresh faces. So I think that's where that's going to be the play there. But we have prospect draft prospects to talk about, and uh, we're all comfortable, right? We're seated. We have our notes. We're all good. Yes. Yeah. Can I grab a beer real quick? Oh yeah. Take your time. So the way we're going to kind of talk about our our draft prospects is who we think is in. And again, this draft is wide open because no one has a consensus top 10, let alone a top five is we're going to go with who we think is going to be available at that six pick. And then next week we're going to talk about Sebastian Casa, who, who I think we could target with the 22 if we want to take a goalie in the first round. But I think we're going to go with who we think is going to be available around six and who is a smart choice for the wings and and where we're at and what our needs kind of are, which really are everything right now. (laughs) But where we maybe not right D, but where we're kind of lacking a little bit. And we're going to start with what I think me and Ryan determined is is the consensus pick at six, which is from us. Yes. Yeah. The University of Michigan's Kent Johnson. And I think Tyler, do you like that one? Yeah, University. I do like that. Yeah, Yeah, I do like. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna run through my notes. You guys can bounce your ideas off of me. We got uh, some expert analysis and and quotes from guys that I want to go through. If you didn't see our hockey card that I created, uh, I I have six hockey cards that I've created. Digital hockey cards. I might start selling them as NFTs. That would be cool. (laughs) Make some money. But, I don't know what that means, but I like it. Uh, it's art that is put on the blockchain, and you can be you can be the sole owner of it, and no one else can own it. It's like selling digital art pieces. Yeah, bitches that, that are not copyable. But I, I made some cool cards with the quotes from some of our 
experts on it. And we're going to start Ooh, with Ken. You know Jones. what else would be really fun with that? What? You should do a gif of all of the guys we picked and be like, who do you use? Who's going to, who's it going to be? Like the Red Wings did where it's like one through eight or whatever it was. Six. I got six, but one of them's late first round. So five, five guys. Who's your pick? Yeah. There you go. But we're going to start with Kent Johnson. Uh, Kent Johnson, my notes say super creative with the puck with quick and accurate release. By super creative, I mean he scored a Michigan goal in juniors. Uh, he did the wraparound lacrosse style goal. He played for the uh, Trail Smoke Eaters uh, in the BC <laughs> BCHL. But uh, he's super creative with the puck with a quick, accurate release. Great handling and puck protection. Fantastic along the wall. And when he doesn't have the puck, he finds space easily to create chances. Not selfish. He'll pass or take the scoring chance. And as Ryan said last week, he stands out by himself on a loaded, absolutely loaded Michigan team. Mm-hmm. Um, but he <laughs> watching him, you can see why he is playing with those top guys, because that's how he plays. So we've got uh, Chris Peters, who right now uh, I want to thank Chris Peters, Dylan Krill and uh, our friend Tony and Will Scouch from uh, Scouching and McKean's. But Chris Peters, he is uh, runs Hockey Sense with Chris Peters on Substack, which is a subscription service you can get about prospects. Uh, he is formerly from ESPN, CBS Sports, and USA Hockey. So thank you, Chris. Chris's notes on um, Kent Johnson kind of almost mirrored mine. A high-end skill player who might be one of the best puck handlers in the entire draft class. His skill allows him to create separation to make and extend plays. Uh, his con was kind of his defensive ability lacks, which is why some don't feel he'll be able to play center at the next level. And... Which is true. He played left wing at U of M. Um, but for trail, the smoke eaters, he played center. And a lot of the junior highlights that I watched of him, he was a damn good center and an offensive center. So I almost think you could com- compare him to maybe Rasmussen in the sense of going back and forth. Not sure if he's going to be a center at the, uh, at the higher level, but has that ability when you maybe put him there and it could be a project type deal. Sure, and it's always hard to transition, but the flexibility is good. Yes. I don't I don't see him more like a Rasmussen. I see him more like a Dylan Larkin where Larkin started on the wing and then kind of eased his way into center as, you know, his career went on. And I mean, Ken Johnson's ability with the puck is ridiculous. I don't know if you guys saw the goal against the University yeah. of Minnesota. Uh, I mean, he's just he, he takes you out of your seat. It's unfortunate that the folks didn't get to see him in the NCAA tournament this year because of the whole COVID situation that Michigan had. But I mean, th- he might be back at Michigan uh, along with Owen Power and uh, Beniers as well. I don't know if Beniers will be in the NHL or not, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, that Michigan team is loaded and they'll be back probably next year at, fighting for a national title i think all the people that i gathered information from i think all of them said he is probably the most creative player available just with what he can do with the puck um but i've also seen that his his energy can sometimes limit his and this was uh notes from will who said that while skilled, the most frustrating player this year due to overhandling, lack of consistent 5v5 creation, and explosive energy on his feet limits his evasiveness. So Hmm. those were some of the negatives, but again, arguably the most skilled and creative player available that can drive possession of the puck 
and potential scoring upside with off-puck habits, getting to the net, and gaining confidence. That was the other thing that I saw is when he wasn't with the puck, he was with the net. So it's Yeah, his skill in tight when you mentioned with the net. like That's the other thing I noticed is that he can make things happen when he's in close to the net and when he's con- like surrounded by guys, not just on the goaltender being being cute and flashy he can get the puck and keep the puck away from players in a way that most of these other guys i was looking at could not do and that kind of goes along add that to the hockey sense that he's got because he's a fantastic playmaker and passer which detroit i think has kind of enough of those in a way but he also has both the passing but also the super quick and accurate shot which is equally fantastic for him Yeah, I think I watched a clip of him at Michigan where he held the puck for at least 15 seconds, just evading people. Like there were three guys around him. He just skated around all of them with the puck and it kind of uh, a puck protection a la Henrik Zetterberg, who Mm -hmm. was just phenomenal at protecting the puck. That clip, that's what it reminded me of and just how he would not would not concede the puck to the opponent, which which is amazing. And that's, again, something we need more of is offensive zone creation, which he could mm-hmm. bring. If you're going to put, if you could transition him back to center, he could be a 1A, 1B with Dylan Larkin. And you'd have that kind of setup guy running too deep uh, who could also create offense by themselves. So that's, that's kind of what I looked at in Kent Johnson. I think if we're looking for another high-end center and you think Johnson could transition back that's a good pick but Mm -hmm. in the end of the day you're also looking for offense and johnson as a winger provides the offense just think though if you're looking two to three years out potentially and you do bring him in as a center and you've got guys like bergeron and raymond now nhl roster and you can put him between guys like that or like bert (laughs) on the wing or whomever else that you can like zadina you can play him with Rasmussen, and they can kind of rotate back and forth, kind of like what we've seen. Hell, or you could put him up with Larkin. Yep. Sure, can, yeah. That's the flexibility that, like you mentioned, Greg, that you get with a guy like that. And I, to me, that's what you look at some of the, the acquisitions that Iserman's made. It seems like that's what he wants the most, is guys that can play everywhere and not afraid to play in the defensive zone as well. Obviously, the 200-foot game with Blaschel, that's probably was the most commented thing for a lot of these younger guys this season, especially with like the likes of Zadina. But if Johnson can come in and do that while also switching between center and wing and making that offense just click and happen, that that's where you have that extra upside, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Greg, of the people that you've talked to, do you think he's going back to school or do you think he's ready to make the next jump? He needs to get bigger. Yeah, he and I'll go he's over his tall enough, elite but he's only prospects. 165. Yeah, Sorry, so Kent Johnson six foot one, one sixty five. So he's he either got to have a hell of a time in a gym, or he's going back to school for another year. I can't even see him in Grand Rapids at one sixty five. To be honest, no, no. I, yeah, I think at that not. weight, you got to think he's probably at, at least a solid two to three years away. And I mean, we we know that the Red Wings program, especially their offseason program, is absolutely fantastic. So it's gonna ha- if they were to take him, you know, he's gonna be there quick. Yep. But I think that qu- when I say quick, it's about two years. Yeah. If you can minimum, get him to, minimum. you're not gonna bring him in until he's probably like 190 at least. So. Yeah. 
180, 185, I think, at least gets you to a point. But at 6'1", you got to think, yeah, you're probably closer to 190, 200 at that point. Especially mm-hmm. with his speed, he's able to get away from people. And, I mean, you don't have to be exactly 200 pounds to be in the league, but you got to be muscular. And he's he, he he's on the skinny side, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, and that kind of adds to his elusiveness, but if you get him bigger, he's going to be even harder to push off right, a puck. Right. Well, you think about it, you're looking for a 6'1 comparable look at Larkin. I don't know what his draft weight was, but he's up to 198. So I bet you he was only like 170, 165, somewhere around there. Greg, I hear you typing. Are you checking? Yeah, I don't think I can go back that far, though, to figure out what Dylan Larkin's draft weight was. Uh, let's see. I bet we can find it. Oh, 190. He was 190 at draft? Yeah, I am, have an article from April 24th, 2014 that says Dylan Larkin, height 6 uh, six foot 1, weight 190. Oh, okay. So he was, well, uh, he then... was, yeah. All right. Not a good comparison, duly noted. <laughs> good Size job, Ryan. Height, height, though. Hey. Spot on. There you go. You're welcome. Um, Tyler, do you have any notes <laughs> on him that you wanted to go over? On Ken Johnson, I mean, I'm just kind of reiterating what I said earlier. I mean, he's he's really good. That goal <laughs> against U of Minnesota was incredible. I mean, the the amount I saw Michigan play this year because the NHL hadn't started a lot <clears throat> or hadn't started yet this year was uh, a lot. I saw Michigan play a ton. Now, the one thing I will say about him <clears throat> is you think of like a Jack Eichel on Boston University, or you think of a Jonathan Taves way back when he played for the University of North Dakota. Um, he doesn't stand out like that every single night. There's nights where he looks like he's the best player on the ice, and there's other nights where he kind of looks like Johan Franzen, where he kind of takes time off and, and you don't really notice him. So, I mean, and he did play up and down the lineup too. That's another thing that uh, Mel Pearson kind of had him doing uh, at the U of M. So, I mean... It, he's a freshman, so I guess it's kind of hard to tell. But a freshman like Jack Eichel, I, I know it's that's not a fair comparison, but I'm just saying guys that have dominated college hockey that are ready for the NHL or are ready to be picked in the top five of the NHL, top six of the NHL draft. I mean, typically don't take time off, and it seems like he does take a little bit of time off. That's the only concern I really have. See. I- I'm, I don't know if I necessarily agree about the time off comment because a lot of the things that I read, and I mean, granted, I get to watch the amount of games that many would have, but the comment that sticks out to me, and I got Claire McManus from Dauber on here, Johnson's usually one of the most consistent players on the ice. In terms of that, production and energy. And, and how he's been, yeah. So that, to me, is what Stan is... And when you watch the highlights, like he, and you mentioned that he's not lighting up the the college ranks, but again, you look, look who he's at the playing roster, with. Look yeah. at the roster that he's on. Yeah, he still yeah. averaged more than he had twenty seven points in twenty six games. Yes, that's nothing crazy, but on a such a balanced team. Now, maybe I guess to your point, Tyler, I get where you're at because you would think if he's playing with that level of talent on that Michigan roster there'd be more points there from him as well. But I think that the NCAA competition is that step up that you kind of want to hope for and where they've really come a long way in the last several years. 
in regards to just what is on the ice, the product on the ice, because you're starting to see more draft picks coming from a college team rather than like the OHL or WHL and so on and so forth. So having just averaging more than a point a game on a stacked Michigan roster, to me, that stands out more. And what he's able to do on the ice with that type of talent while not getting buried underneath him, I think that's what that's the important aspect of it. And if he stays at U of M next season, which probably seems the most likely uh, scenario, that's huge. And he's you know he's only going to get better. But then yeah. if you got a team like Detroit yeah. behind him, he's playing in Detroit's backyard at Ann Arbor. They have that direct contact to tell him, hey, go do this. Like whether it be work, and he's got the U of M workout facilities as well. That already is a huge leg up, and not having to come over to like Plymouth or even Detroit for that matter. He's yep. already there. So I, I think that's where drafting a guy like him really puts Detroit at an advantage because he's in the backyard. Like I said, he's easily accessible. He can come watch games, talk to the team. And I don't, I don't know how college is, is about that, but I mean, I don't think there's any issues with him having to do those things. But nah. he's, as long as he's not signed, I don't think it causes issues, yep. obviously. So. I, I really think that it's one of the more advantageous picks that Detroit could make. Especially, especially since... Yeah. Go well, especially if you look at his stats year over year, starting with juniors. In 2018, 19, and 57 games, he had 20 goals and 26 assists for 46 points. The next season in 2019-20, he wore an A. In 52 games, he had 41 goals and 60 assists for 101 points. <laughs> So if you look at the his first season at University of Michigan, uh, 26 games, 9 goals, 18 assists for 27 points. If he goes to University of Michigan next season and puts up 40 points in 26 games. Yeah, if he doubles that point production. Whew. Like, that's that's what you want to see. And, and he's a, a first year in the playoffs for Trail. He may had 12 points in 12 playoff games. And then in 2019-20, he had 7 points in 4 playoff games. So he improves not only in the regular season, but also in the playoffs. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. And then, like you said, I think he would go back to, I think he would probably go back to Michigan for another year mm-hmm. unless they want to move him to grand Rapids, but I'd probably keep him in the college route just for one more year, just to see what he can do and see if he can dominate once guys like, you know, uh, Owen power is not going to be there probably next year. And uh, Matty Berniers is probably not going to be there next year. They'll probably go to the AHL. So you'll see what happens with is them there. The team his own at that point. Well, now, Owen Greg, power, you, Greg, you got to say it right. It's Matty Benias. He's from, he's Jesus. from Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but I Owen, swear to God, he is. <laughs> Owen power says he might go back to school. Uh, and I would, too, if I was about to be drafted by the Buffalo Sabres. But uh, well, the go. one thing about it for, for those guys, though, like it, it's such a hard thing to go from college right to the NHL. Oh, I, and, I mean, think they would go to the NHL. What, the AHL? Yeah, I don't think I w- yeah. would almost be shocked if any pick, any first round pick plays in the NHL next year. Almost shocked because if Owen Power is the play consensus, in the NHL, they might not like start in the NHL. If Owen Power is the consensus number one and he goes back to Michigan, he can't come to the NHL. Right. So. No, if, he can sign after the after the U of M season's over. Sure, he can do that. Mm. But do you think they're yeah. gonna wait that long? Oh, no, Buffalo's not gonna be in the playoffs. So sure, yeah, <laughs> good joke, yeah. eh? <laughs> you, you lock in that ELC though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think it, I think for a couple of those guys, if 
power in particular, if he's locking in that ELC, I think he's going to be, he's getting nice time. But I, I could see them all staying one more year because adding an extra body under contract under teams that, I mean, most of these top teams or top drafting teams aren't cash strapped. But the longer you can make your cap space be valuable, especially like for a trade, for instance, yep. you want to do it. Now, granted, these guys are making 900000 a year if you're a top pick under your ELC, but that's still $900,000 in cap space that you can negotiate with another team to take on a shitty contract. Yep. Greg, let me ask you this, and we can move on after this, but let me ask you this. Um, does it make you weary drafting a college hockey player, given the fact that, like, if they're there for their entire four years, they can kind of dictate where they go if they don't sign? You mean, does it kinda make like me the weary? Keith Petrozelli thing? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. And I think the Keith Petrozelli thing is largely overblown. I don't see from any reliable sources that Keith Petrozelli does not want to come to the Detroit Red Wings. I saw one guy make up a thing in an article that had no citation Legs. or source yeah. or anything. So, no, I don't think so. And especially with the Red Wings, original six franchise history guys, tons of Hall of Famers. One of the had one of the best coaches ever in the uh, had the best coach ever in the NHL. You you don't kind of say you don't ah, pass. I don't want to play for the Red Wings. I don't think yeah, many people would do that. So, no, it doesn't make me worried at all. Yeah, I, I think you're kind of past that point of having to really be worried because you go back. Well, Adam to Fox from, just had that recently, didn't he? Wasn't it two years ago? And now he's a Norris can, trophy candidate with the Rangers. He was drafted, I think, by Carolina. Or maybe it was well, Anaheim. I forget what team it was. But Well, yeah, but you're looking at non-original six teams, like, kind of like to your comment there, because then True. all you got to do yeah. is go back to last offseason and look at Bobby Ryan. Yep. There's a reason for coming to Detroit, Steve Eiserman. Well, I think these two... kids, These kids are young, but they're not that dumb. No. If they don't know who these guys are and know what the Red Wings past and history is about, then you probably don't really necessarily, I mean, unless they're European, but you look at most of the Swedish players and they Even know those guys. And, they know Cronwall and um, Pat, they know Lidstrom. So yeah. here, I think it, the Red Wings are still a pop culture icon in a way enough. And with Iserman in charge, they know what he did in Tampa. They know what he's doing now. I, I don't think that's as much of a worry being Detroit. If anything, they know Steve Iserman is a player. Uh, and that should instantly make them come over. But the thing, the thing that I look at is they should also see opportunity in Detroit. There's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. If you're a first... That was, that's the biggest part of yeah, it. Yeah, if you're a first-round draft pick, you're going to know that in two, three years, you're going to be on the team, and you're probably, if you progress the way you're supposed to, probably going to get top six minutes. So you have a chance to be a, a one of the faces of a franchise if you do what you're supposed to do and you pan out. Mm -hmm. and, and there's just that time there. So... Uh, the next one we're going to go on to because we've got 15 minutes left and that doesn't seem like enough time. Luke Hughes. <laughs> hey, uh, we can carry over. We can carry it over. That's not a bad thing. Sure. We'll go into the defenseman, Luke Hughes. Uh, my notes on Luke Hughes is we can get the third Hughes brother. It's like a prophecy. If if New Jersey doesn't take him to have two Hughes because their only way to counter Quinn Hughes would be to have two of them. 
<laughs> but I have under Luke, I have defense can be a little shaky at times, uh, but is probably the best skater among the defensemen in the draft. He's damn hard to catch. He's good for jumping in on the offense when it's needed. Um, though a lot of the highlights that I watched of Luke Hughes, um, sure, he jumped in on the offense and then absolutely nothing happened. So he's tried to create it. It just it didn't work. Um, Luke Hughes and let me I don't know why my page didn't pull up. Hold on. Luke Hughes has a, a an advantage of being a, a late birthday. So he is one of the <laughs> that's my first bullet point. Yeah. Too. One of the youngest people in the draft, if not the youngest. Nope. Luke, he's a six foot two, 176 pounds. So he's taller. But again, he's still light. And I have Dylan Krill's notes because Dylan Krill loves to scout the USHL. And yeah, what up, Chris is for this one. His notes on Luke Hughes, he says Hughes has some of the highest potential because of his ability to drive play from the blue line and being one of the youngest players in the draft. He's an excellent skater and can contribute offense on shift-to-shift basis, but at times he's found skating into traffic and makes plays with no purpose, which could become a habit. That is the... I asked everyone for a couple pros and a con just to kind of get an even look at a player instead of all pro, 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 and then you get too excited, and when something bad happens, your world shatters. But... But I think that Luke Hughes is probably up there with, if not the best uh, defenseman after Owen Power, tied with probably someone like uh, Edvinson. I I like what Chris said. Or Brant Clark. I like what Chris Peters said when you asked him for his input. He, his first line there, the best skater among defensemen in the draft with incredible edge work and elusiveness. (laughs) What does Detroit lack for the most part? Whatever that. Danny DeKaiser doesn't have. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that on the back end. I mean, you know that we're you know they're getting that with Cider, but I mean we talked about it in nauseum this season is when Detroit's defense was actually mobile and making either getting the puck up ice themselves or making that great first pass out of the zone. He does both of those things extremely well. And that and again, I know we referenced Tampa over and over again. But look at how they're set up and how their defense handles the puck out of their own zone, gets up the ice, and causes havoc. That is what you are starting to see Iserman try to do with this roster. It's what Sider's doing right now. It's what we kind of saw, as much as we hated it, Mark Stahl doing. Troy Stetcher, I think, was the best example of that. You look at what Hironic can do with his outlet passing. Luke Hughes would fit that mold perfectly. And yep. as you mentioned, he's young. I think that's the most beneficial aspect to it. And Tyler, here's your fun part. He's committed to U of M, so we would yes, be seeing him with Kent Johnson and these guys potentially next well, year. Well, he's also a lefty, which we yes. do not have a clear-cut top-pairing left defenseman. So you could have, eventually, a top pair of Luke Hughes and Moritz Sider, which put your pants back on but that's like something <laughs> the dreams really? are made of if again if he pans out i mean you think so. about the guys that we talked about at the onset johansson yeah bringing him in uh, in this group if you got mcisaac healthy and bringing him into this group yep. you've got a, co- a defensive core in the next three years majority of them are still all under 20 because heronic's the eldest the elder statesman of this now at 23 currently 
three years out, still 26, but all uh, these the other Kaiser's guys are, older than Hironic. Not talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean the, the good defenseman? Yes, the, the, the skilled The guys that can actually skate. Yes, I'm not... DeKaiser, he finally came alive at the end of the year. I'm not going to bash him for what he's, he's done enough to what he needs to do with Detroit. But when you look at... If you draft a guy like Luke Hughes, you've got Johansson, you got McIsaac, you got Sider. There's other guys I haven't even mentioned that could potentially fit in here. Yeah, like uh, Volander. Yeah, so there's a lot there that is going to really transform Detroit's back end that they've needed that can make it reminiscent of, of old. Yeah. So, which is what we need. Yes. The, the only, the only thing here to watch with him, you don't hear it enough of talk about it is what can he do defensively? Is he going to, is he solid or is he going to be, I like what Chris said here. I shouldn't say I like it, but he said he was not as utilized in key defensive situations and at times can get overpowered in his own zone when defending. So that's going to be the teaching moment. He'll be a bit of a project, in my opinion, if that's a comment you're seeing right now. Yeah. So when he gets to U of M, you know he's going to be against that better competition. He's going to have to be more sound in his own end. But we know that once he gets that puck, things are going to happen. He's going to be going the other way. He's going to either be leading the rush or he's starting the rush by getting that, that sweet breakout pass because he is fantastic once the puck's on his stick. Well, it's similar to what Will said. Will's con was defensive entry defense is far too inconsistent and at times poor and can be guilty of overthinking and overhandling the puck in the offensive zone. So, I mean, it's maybe sounds like a he knows he's going to be drafted and he's trying to trying really, really hard to look really, really good and overdoing mm-hmm. it a bit. That's fair. And he just needs to settle down and find his groove. But Will's positives are the best rush offense defenseman through the neutral zone you'll find with volume and efficiency in spades and the benefit of youth at the top end of the draft compared to the other players nearly a year older. So everyone says the same thing. The the young factor, he's got more time to learn mm-hmm. and you're going to have him for longer because he's younger and that he's I mean, the offensive talent and the ability to join the rush is there. It's just he, again, is a defenseman. You're, it seems like you're either a really good offensive defenseman, a really good defensive defenseman, or you're kind of mediocre at both. And <laughs> you, I, you get by. I, and if you can up, your, if you're a really good offensive defenseman and you can just be a good defensive defenseman, you're going high. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what we're looking at with Luke. Luke Hughes is if he can improve his defense, the offense is there. And that's kind of what we need. And, and again, we need another top pairing left defenseman I, I think one way you can kind of look at him and not get away from the size factor and I, I'm not sure how good his shot is in what I was watching it was nothing to really scream over but he's no. smart with his shots yep but the way he moves along the point in, in the offensive zone kind of reminded me of what Victor Hedman does where he's all over the ice you put him as a one-man point point guy on the power play He's going left to right covering the entire ice. Luke Hughes could do that. He's doing that now, and he's not afraid to jump in. He's not afraid to attack the middle of the circles, and he's great at getting the puck back and holding on to it. So if those things are already there, getting the defensive side figured out, as long that's teachable, and he can break through. He's going to have to break it. And the I think he looks he's got now. I think he looked a lot like Quinn in a lot of those videos. I mean, the way he skates, the way he handles the puck, the 
the way he's uh, able not to walk fast, the line, kind of to your point. No, definitely not as fast, but he's also bigger, so you know it's a little bit harder to be as fast. But he, he's, he's elusive, really well, I thought. Absolutely. Yeah. What I noticed to that point, your elusiveness factor, is I actually had a note that he is really good at, kind of similar to Cider when you look at it, really good at creating separation at the blue line in the offensive zone. So when he gets pinched up tight, he's really good at kind of doing a fate one way and really making moving his feet side to side while keeping the puck kind of snug toward the blue line and really getting away from somebody. He's really smart with the puck in that sense. And I think that's if you watch a lot of what Cider's done, you see that from him quite often. So, again, that whole how good are you going to be with the puck in the offensive zone that's what Detroit needs from their defensemen. Yep. And if he if they brought something like that in, it's it's a, incredible. It's a win right away. Puck protection. That's what we yes. need from our defensemen. Smart. Okay, Puck so protection. Romanoff just killed Petrangelo. I don't know that if you guys saw hit. that. that I don't know. Hit. Dougie Hamilton apparently hit. earlier got uh, permission to speak to other teams. Yeah. So. That's quite interesting, too. <laughs> um, I saw that. Anyways. So, I think, so we're, Tyler, is that all you had on Luke Hughes? Else yeah, no, I mean, th- th- that's pretty much all I had for the most part. Okay. Um, so we're going to move on to our last prospect of the night. We are going to talk about Fabian Lysel, which every time I talk to Tony, he just tells me how much he loves Fabian Lysel <laughs> and how amazing he is and how he should probably be a top three pick. He is so but smooth with the puck. My notes on Fabian Lysel are small but fast and a great skater. Uh, can e- be easy to push off the puck at times, but because of his size, he is able to easily blow past defenders. Um, I like Dylan's report. He says Lysel is a high-octane winger who never takes his foot off the gas. He has the ability to drive a line from the wing and create electric eye-catching plays. Uh, has high compete level and great offensive tools, will be valuable to many teams. He will need to manage his decision-making to limit his turnovers so he doesn't become a liability for his team. Mm-hmm. And when we say small, uh, he's 5'10", but he's 172, so he's the same weight as a lot of the 6'2 guys um, in a <laughs> smaller package. But I think the league is getting less and less worried about a player's height as long as they can overcome the deficiencies of being a smaller player, such as being easy to push off the puck. Nope. I and think you can see that a in a player like Dabrinkit. Yes, absolutely. I think kind of like to that note with what Chris said, um, that is a potential worry. So he, it's something he's going to have to kind of grow out of in, in, in the sense that what he said was when his speed is nullified, because when he gets out there, especially in the open ice, the son of a bitch is fast. Yeah, he is pulling away. For, if you let him get two steps on you, just might as well pick your jock step, strap up, and just kind of wait for aerodynamic, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> so he, but what the comment, what I was going to get at was what Chris, Chris Peters was saying, is when his speed can be nullified, especially, or he, it's a legitimate concern about his ability to create in ways outside of the rush when his speed can be nullified, especially due to his lack of physical stature and strength. Yep. So you need the weight, maybe not so much the weight, but definitely the muscle, because if he puts more on in terms of like strength there, kind of like to what Chris mentioned, he's going to be a legit scary player. Because what I caught from watching and some of the notes that I saw from other of the analysts out there, he is a great, fantastic, superb two-way player. Yeah. And he is very strong in the puck defensively. 
And when you look at kind of like what we talked, I mentioned earlier, Blaschel gushing over these young guys playing a 200-foot game, how much of an uh, impact that Iserman claims the 200-foot game, I shouldn't say claims, mentions the 200-foot game is, like those are what this organization has been talking about and been all over since Stevie took over. So he fits that sense of the of their draft pick to a T because he's already got the skill, he's got the shot, he can pass fantastic as well, and he plays defense. The two-way part of hockey um, in the Red Wing organization has been going on since you know the mid '80s when Steve Eisenman got into Detroit. The early years I mean, of Steve, yeah. I, I mean, you, you look back, and then obviously, you know, you had guys like Datsuk and Zetterberg that kind of continued it, and now mm-hmm. even even right now, Dylan Larkin is still one of the better defensive centers in the entire league. I mean, he is he, he is he's good at taking the puck away. You know, I mean, we we don't have to talk about it, but I mean, he this organization has predicated themselves on being good defensively, and in your zone and responsible and it goes back to the early days of steve eisenman um on fabian lysel i love this guy i love watching this guy play um some of the highlight videos not great but i mean he just seems like so fast and so elusive and and there wasn't a whole lot of stuff i saw like away from the puck but a lot of stuff of of, you know moves and he just looked like a good player the only thing is to me i mean he didn't really play a whole lot um in the shl this year what 20 23 games games. what do they usually play over 50 60 he played 26 games um but that's the that's the thing though tyler he played 26 games against men in a Men, men's yeah. league, yeah. and and that's I think part of the reason he bulked up a bit because he's playing against big guys in the SHL. Well, uh, one thing I also saw is the, the his play away from the puck kept him in the SHL. You know, they could have apparently he had, he asked for a trade from for Lunda, uh, the junior what junior, junior twenty team, league yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and he ended up in Luela. Is that how you say it? Oh, uh, so. Uh, <laughs> Either way, I mean, <laughs> Tyler, the guy is a comp- trying to pronounce names, and we just gave up. I think it's Lilia. Well, it, Lilia. Okay, whatever. They, the guy competes. He, it just seems like he wants to play. He, he was he was playing on the junior team in Rolanda, and he's like, yeah, I don't want to do this. I want to play in the SHL. Request a trade. Probably went up to the the owners like I, the general manager. I want to trade. I want to play in the SHL, and this is what I want. And you know what? He produced. Yeah. He did a good job. Mm-hmm. He didn't put a lot of points or put a lot of pucks in the net. But he got but time. He got time. He got experience. And, uh, I mean, that's that's really all I have to say about that. I love this guy, though. Yeah, and Tony, like we said, Tony loves him, too, because he will go on and on and on about Fabian Lysel. But I think that's the big thing is that he got time to play in the SHL, and it wasn't just um, pity minutes. He earned his minutes and got some decent time playing against men in what I said I'd consider the third best league in, in the, on earth. You go, you can go NHL, KHL, SHL, and you're yeah. right there playing with, again, guys who a lot of them used to play in the NHL. So it's, it's invaluable experience. And, and again, small, offensive skilled fast two-way player and i think that uh will's notes 
Will said the same thing. One of the most exciting players available with enormous potential as a high-paced 200-foot workhorse with threatening offense. So, That's I think, a good comment. Yeah, I think we've, we've said the <laughs> same thing. Attacks the net with speed and aggression, but can quickly find line mates and create offense from the perimeter. So if he's not going to score a goal for you, he's going to find the person that can score the goal for you. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's key because he's a right winger. He's a right-handed shot. I think that's the other aspect that really kind of sets him apart from many of the other draft picks that are top end right now because majority of the guys you're talking about are left-handed, but you bring in that right-hand aspect. I mean, Detroit, you got Raymond as a, a winger on the right with the right-hand shot. You can bring him in with him, and they can put them on the power play. Yep. Or even on power play one and two, you've got two fantastic right-hand shots on each power play. Absolutely. Now you've got full puck movement going along. You got one timers on both sides that actually aren't going to miss the net every time they shoot the puck. I'm sorry, Kokinen. Uh but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's uh, and again, you want a Swedish connection. There's your Swedish connection, right? We're all <laughs> about true. the we, Swedish. The connection. mafia is being rebuilt, so um, it's coming. Yeah, but that's where we're going to end it tonight with those three prospects. We will continue. On next week, we'll do Mason McTavish, Chaz Lucius, and Sebastian Casa. But I want to get you guys' final thoughts before we sign off. And tonight, we will start with Tyler since he's actually here, and I don't know when he'll be back again. So <laughs> I will be back next Monday, not to worry. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot of final thoughts other than I'm just looking forward to continuing to cover this draft because, I mean, it is one of the more fascinating drafts that we've ever seen. I mean, you know, Owen Powers, the consensus number one overall pick, but we have no idea after that where the chips are going to fall, who likes who, who saw who play. So, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see over the next couple weeks here, next month or so, um, to see what happens and, and, and you know, what the mock drafts look like and Bobby's mock draft and Craig's mock, uh, mock draft and everything. So we'll have to see what happens and, you know, um, we'll see – if anything leaks out, but whether who Eisenman's looking at, I mean, we don't think that that's going to happen, but hell, you never know. I guess pigs can fly once in a while. So, uh, other than that, I mean, those are my final thoughts, Ryan, you go ahead. You can follow me on Twitter at seal dog 91. No final thoughts for me. Um, it's, it's fun watching these guys and what they can bring. It's nice that we're expanding on it a bit more this year. Uh, I think we kind of have, yep. we, I don't think we have. We really have slacked on kind of talking about it. At least I have. So seeing these gents a little bit more, getting the quotes and comments from some of the uh, people that are do this professionally, makes it a little more enjoyable. So this part's fun. Greg, you need to. We need to reach out to Rohan <laughs> and get his sleeper pick, but because apparently he's been all over it the last couple of years, so we need to get his uh, take on some of these guys as well. I think. But uh, he probably wants. We're gonna to have bully. to pay. We're gonna have to pay his speaker fee, aren't we? <laughs> I think so. Well, no, we we've got it. Cameo. <laughs> Get a cameo, Jesus Christ! But no, I mean it's 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 an intriguing draft, as Greg you mentioned that. Um, it's who we get. They're gonna be good. It's the biggest question is gonna be how long will it take them to get in Detroit? Yeah, and that's gonna be the concern. I shouldn't say concern. The the uncertainty. If he's there faster, that's the ideal scenario, and that's when we know we that Eisenman really hit a home run. But who, as far as positioning, I, I don't care where it comes from, as long as they're impactful and can do their job well. Now, 
I say that with a little asterisk. I don't necessarily want a goaltender at number six. Nope. If it happens, it is what it is. But there's t- far too much skill, especially on the forward side of things, that Detroit needs now that they don't have to spend an exuberant amount of money on in free agency, which wouldn't be a bad thing as well. But they can't do yet. Or shouldn't do yet. So it's it's an intriguing time. There's fantastic. We got the conference finals, if you want to call it that, taking place right now. So semifinals, uh, get it right. It's whatever. Where Montreal's gonna get a Canadian sized hole stomped in them by yep. Vegas. I was just getting ready to say fuck the Habs. Yep, so bye bye. Don't don't like you no more. It was fun playing be, in the kindergarten division, wasn't it? I will not be rooting for Vegas. No, I will because story. Tyler. I'm not rooting for Montreal. Montreal played in the kindergarten division, and now they're going to see what real hockey looks like with the big boys. <laughs> so uh, this has been a fast-paced. Anyways, anyways, I won't be sidetracked <laughs> here. But no, it's uh, yes, it again. Playoffs have been fantastic. We got a great draft coming up. Um, hopefully, we can snag Tony, um, get him on to actually, you know, make sense of all the bullshit we've been spewing out. So. If not, I have line. I've got other people lined up. Oh, don't let Tony hear that. <laughs> so you know we're cheating on him. Anyways, so but no, it's been good chat. Nice to have everybody here tonight. Thanks, Tyler, for joining us. Proud of you. Uh, but no, find me on Twitter, Hardy Ryan thirty three. So my final thoughts are going to be a great big thank you to Chris Peters, Dylan Krill, Tony Ferrari, and Will Scout. You can follow them. Uh, Chris is at Chris M Peters. Dylan is at Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N underscore K-R-I-L-L. Will is at Scouching. And Tony is at The Tony Ferrari. Thank them for helping out with my little trading card project, which me and Ryan literally just came up with on a whim at the end of the last episode. And I'm like, I think I can do this. And then I did it. So it was really cool. It was good getting the expert analysis from those guys and seeing that a lot of it matched what our notes said. So that's cool. And uh, I just want to give a big thank you to them because they took time out of their day to help us. Uh, yeah, they're so busy days. With yeah, exactly. All the prospect stuff going on. Uh, but you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline podcast online at Grindline Pod. You can find our podcasts wherever podcasts are hosted. If we are not there, let me know. I also like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network. You can follow them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet to find podcasts for almost every team in the league. You can also go to Howie'sHockeyTape.com and use promo code GRINDLINE at checkout to get 10% off your order. And use that same promo code at BringHockeyBack to get 12% off. Shout out Founders, the official beer of the GRINDLINE podcast. And you can check out our merch at Redbubble if you go to RedBubble.com and search the GRINDLINE. Uh, There will be some more stuff added whenever I regain my sanity and finish this card project. (laughs) Um, But that's going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.